beautiful, awesome, courageous woman of God listening to this. Thank you for joining our six-week podcast, Divine Discussion Series, where we're here to discuss two fundamental truths. One, God is really good. And two, we women like to talk. We like to self-reflect, and we certainly value our relationships. So we might as well create time and space to talk about how good God really is. And we've taken six episodes now to talk about three key areas as it relates to our relationship with God and our faith. We have spent two episodes discussing our direct relationship with God, all the amazing things that he's done in our lives, everything he's doing now, how to really pray and deepen this relationship. So if you haven't yet, it's not too late to go back and listen to episode one, where you can tune into Maisie Hartsfield's unique and special testimony of her relationship with God and the power of grace, a really fun and passionate discussion on the power of prayer with Laura McKay, a really deep and moving discussion on identity and how Christ sees us with Miss Melissa Minor, a really insightful discussion on our gifts and abilities that God gives us with Whitney Miller, a really fun and special conversation with Emily on our interactions with others. And today, to wrap us up, we'll be talking about the importance of our circle of influence and utilizing our circle to really share and spread our faith. And as always mentioned, these audio podcasts are meant to be paired with the one-on-one facilitated video sessions that you are welcome to do on your own with a friend or in a group study. And each of these episodes, as usual, highlight a special guest, leader, and influencer of Bay Hope Church to honor her and share her unique insights in our discussion. So for our sixth and final episode, We are here today to honor one particular woman, saving the best for last, to help us discuss the importance of who we hold in our circle of influence and ways that we can share and spread our faith. So help me welcome our director of Bay Hope Cares here at Bay Hope Church, Ms. Sherry Leatherwood. Thank you for joining us today, Sherry. Of course, Sam. It's good to be with you and your listeners. We're really excited to have you. And of course, Many of our listeners are part of the Bay Hope family and community. We may have some outside of Bay Hope Church. So just to do an official introduction, why don't you share, Sherry, who you are and a little bit about what you do around Bay Hope Church. So I'm Sherry Leatherwood, a follower of Jesus Christ, seeking to be fully present for the person in front of me. And on occasion, I actually get that right. So as director of Bay Hope Cares, um, My area of influence is to care for those that are in need from birth until transition into heaven. So that's a wide, wide range of um, opportunities for me just to slow my pace down, to value others. And most often I am working and surrounded by those who are in the arena of suffering. I love that. So in your role, what do you feel is the biggest way that God has blessed you? So I left three decades of student ministry where it was high energy and a lot of fun and life and investing in the future and building students and working with parents. And now I went from wow to whoa. So um, what's really, really sweet is um, as a student back in the day, 
I really searched for a, a, a life verse, if you will. Uh, many of us remember being discipled and, you know, we were somebody's project at some point. And um, during those formative years in my faith, I really took on Philippians chapter 2 as my life verse. And there's tucked away, I think right around verse 4, value others above yourself. And this literally has been at the forefront of my faith development for a better part of my pretty much entire life. And um, that still remains true today. And I'm so fortunate that Bay Hope Church has provided the space for me to live this verse out. And um, I've been here for over two and a half decades and counted a privilege and have really been blessed to be a part of this community in large through being here at Bay Hope Church. So awesome. And one of the reasons why I felt it was so aligned to bring Sherry in for this particular discussion is because when I think of community and when I think of influence and I think of somebody sharing their faith, I do think of Sherry. She has this very special way of being a duck on water and handling so much and having a very large capacity while also when she's with somebody individually truly listening truly caring and, and making them feel special and i you know i actually had very dear friends of mine that utilized our bay hope cares service this month and it was so beautiful to hear their response they said wow i just didn't realize that bay hope cared that much and it really just melted my heart so that's why I have her here um, for this particular discussion and just to start with the right foundation for the discussion I wanted to start with a quote I, I share my faith with others to fulfill God's purposes and our opportunities to share and spread our faith I mean let's be honest it's, it's really about seven layers deep because there's you as a listener listening to this. There's your immediate family. There's your close friends. There's your neighbors, people you know from work and school, your close community, and the world at large. So there's so much opportunity out there to be making an impact. So Sherry, why do you think that our circle of influence is so important, especially those that we choose to hold closest to us and spend the most time with? That is a very good question with like deep answers. So I'm going to start this way and just feel free to redirect me if I'm not going in the right direction. Sure, this is your show. <laughs> so with that group of people that you just mentioned, immediate family, close friends, neighbors, co-workers, close community in the world at large, each one of those individuals that makes up that group of people are all asking the same question. Who sees me? Who cares? So if you can just kind of go with me for your last airplane ride, and as soon as you pulled out your phone as the airplane was taking off, if you hadn't had it in airplane mode like you're supposed to, you'll see that little wheel searching, searching, searching. What is your phone searching for? Connection. Each one of us individually that makes up that group of people that you talked about, all we're doing is searching. We're searching for connection. 
searching with con- for, for connection with our immediate family and our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and our community and our world at large. And when you can be that person that actually pauses long enough to pay attention and to connect, somebody's life actually might experience transformation. I love that, right? Because no matter somebody's background or personality style or age, one thing that we all have in common as human beings is the desire to love and to be loved. So I think that that is huge. And something I actually learned a long time ago that's really stuck with me all these years, I'm sure you've probably heard something similar, Sherry, is that we become the sum of the four people that we spend the most time with. So it's important that we choose those four wisely and to really create the most robust circle of influence. It has three components, right? There's, you know, one level is the people that we get the opportunity to learn from, like coaches and teachers and mentors, parents, influencers. The next level is the people that we actually learn with, the people that have similar interests and values and goals where we can hold each other accountable and grow together. And then the last layer is the people that we get to teach and support. So mentees and trainees or someone that's in need or opportunities to serve and volunteer our time. I mean, what are your thoughts, Sherry, about uh, these three different areas? So Sam, I love that you've listed all of this with clarity and, and vision and hope and ideal. Ideally, this is the way it's supposed to happen. However, most of us come to the table wounded because there's a likelihood that, as you said, we end up becoming the sum of four people we spend most, the most time with, but we can't choose those people when we're young. And often, you know, there's somebody in our childhood that has brought some wounds to us. So when we become adults and we get out there and we do those things that, you know, we're all supposed to do, if we don't process those wounds, we bring that into those relationships. And sometimes we end up going a little bit sideways. So the best part is if we could just pause and become really aware of who we are and how we are and where we're going. And if we keep bumping into ourselves in that journey, Pausing to take some time to really pay attention and get some help in regards to healing emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And that'll put us in a direction where we can be a lot more robust in those circles. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point that initially, right, when we're young or or how we're raised, there's certain elements that maybe we can't control in in that particular circle of influence as we get older though and we grow and we can learn to heal we can make changes to that circle of influence with intentionality so as a listener i may may say to all of you to take time to pause and reflect and think about you know where are some places that you could make some additions that could serve you or hey where do you need to make some changes is there anyone in your circle of influence Maybe they need to be removed. And how could you be intentional about creating deeper connections with the people that are in your circle um, that you truly value and are meant to be there? So 
Sherry, I'm curious for you, who are the people in your immediate circle of influence? So as I transitioned from youth ministry and in just building the next generation into caring for those who are suffering, I became increasingly aware that there are few people available to walk sufferers through emotional healing. So I've dedicated this last part of my, you know, years in ministry and in work to being so present for those who are brokenhearted. Because to tell you the truth, there's very few people who, who are actually there for the broken. Yet the church is called to be there for the broken. And I'm going to tell you the truth. The church is the last place broken people will actually come. And that's what's just kind of so confusing sometimes for me. When did this brokenness enter? Well, the story of creation, boom, right there. In the story of creation, Adam and Eve were actually disconnected from God through their own choices. So to be really honest, none of us as Christ followers has the opportunity to like be perfect. We're designed to be that way, but through the fall, um, we all have come to understand and know that apart from God and the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're really nothing. Well, I, I think that is definitely something that all unites us is to remember that we're all imperfect. Uh, we're all sin-stained, and that is what unites us you know, is God's love. And so you asked, um, you know, who are those people for me and how am I able to, to do that? And I've learned the value of slowing my pace down to actually be present, to lean, to listen, to lean in. And rather than being eager to speak up or speak back, I've learned to lean in even deeper, to pay attention, not necessarily to say a word, but to extend kindness and the depth of love that transcends any word. So I think sometimes it takes people like off guard to experience that kind of a connection because it's unfamiliar. Most of us are waiting for somebody to tell us and guide us, and direct us, and give us a verse. And I've learned that sometimes leaning in and being present speaks louder and deeper than quoting a Bible verse. I love that because I think that deep down every person in some way honestly just longs to be heard, Mm -hmm. to be seen, to be known, and to actually take that proactive step to say, okay, I'm not just going to sit here waiting for my break in the conversation to speak. I'm actually going to be intentional about really actively listening uh, to what you're saying. And, and yeah, that's really beautiful and special. Like when was the last time, Sam, you really felt heard? Mm, I guess when I speak to God. Yeah, yeah. So go ahead. I think that for sure we're all just like uh, our cell phones on a plane, searching for that connection. 
Absolutely. So one of the things I think that I'm hearing with the way that you care is that you really intend to actually be the extension of the hands and feet of Jesus and actually go into action, which I love and it's, it's beautiful. So what are the ways that you find yourself sharing and spreading your faith within your circle of influence? So I love that question and I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack it. What are the ways you share and spread your faith within your current circle of influence? Before I'm able to do that, Sam, I have to take care of myself. And um, the ways that I share and spread my faith within my current circle of influence is highly demanding because I direct a care ministry at a beautiful church and we have incredible care teams. But in order to sustain that, I've learned that I have to take care of myself. And in order to do that, I've built a life team around myself, which might sound a little selfish, but if you really step back and pay attention, God calls us to care for ourselves and steward our lives in such a way that we bring the best version of ourselves to the table whenever we head out to serve him. So in order to do that, many years ago, I actually started paying attention and becoming a lot more aware of how I handled myself with others and bumped into myself with others and became um, really committed to a transformational process so that I could be the best version of myself to others. And in that journey, I um, became increasingly aware of the value of key relationships. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share for a few minutes about seven key relationships that make up a life team. And if you're interested in learning more, you can, you can log on to podcasts from John Townsend, from Henry Cloud. John Townsend has a book on these seven key relationships called People Fuel, and Henry Cloud has the same material with different verbiage in a book called The Power of the Other. Both are highly recommended. And um, I have chosen since 2016 to maintain a life team for myself on a weekly basis. And it has been transformative for me. So the, the seven key relationships, the first one is coach or a coach or a counselor. I maintain a counselor for my personal life, and I maintain a physical health coach for my personal life. My counselor I see every other week. My coach, physical coach, I see twice a week. Maintaining those key relationships is critically important. I'm investing in bettering myself so that I can bring the full version, best version of myself to others. The second C relationship is colleague. I meet every three weeks with a variety of colleagues. These are people in life who are better at doing what I do so that I can learn from them, ask them critical questions. It's incredible. The third C is comrades. I have two comrades. I meet with them up to 90 minutes a week, whether in person or in phone, on the phone. And they are there for me. I am there for them. 
We are there for each other. We bring life and energy and enthusiasm. Sometimes I'm a giver, sometimes I'm a taker, but they are there for me and I am there for them. The, the fourth C is there, there's a specific person that I care for weekly. I reach out to this person and you know what happens when we care for others? There's a chemical wash in our brain. It's like an antidepressant depressant, and it just picks us up and reminds us that we don't exist for ourselves. And because I, you know, direct the care ministry, I'm caring constantly. However, for this particular relationship, this is life-giving to that person as well as me. And at no time do I ever have my needs met by this particular individual. And now the fifth C is casual. Guess what? All the other relationships that I'm in are casual. I don't need anything from these people because the four other C's represent people that are designed in my life to meet my needs. So when I show up, my needs are met and I'm able to be there for all of those who are in front of me. I'm able to be there to meet their needs. So if you're tracking with me, we have our coach or counselor, we have our colleagues, we have our comrades, we have an individual that we're caring for without any intentions of being cared for back. And then all the other relationships are casual. The next two C's are chronics and contaminants. Chronics are those people that you spend time with weekly, monthly, and they're always about themselves. And I can be a chronic. I mean, I have been that. And now that I'm more aware of it, I'm just like, wait a minute, don't be that. But chronics are those people that, you know, you say, hey, what if you did this or you did that? And then a month later, you're meeting with them and they're still kind of bringing up the same thing. And a year later, they're still absorbing an hour or two or three or six from you, but nothing's ever really changed steward your life well, refer them on to a counselor because there's really not a whole lot you can do for somebody who's like not really making those efforts to shift and change. What would it look that like for you and for me to take back the time that we're giving to them and actually use that time for life-giving and energy-giving relationships? God calls me to steward my life well so I've had to, had to make some really hard calls. And then the last C is contaminant. Those are the people in our lives that are just toxic and unhealthy. It's okay with supervision and direction and guidance of a counselor or a coach to help you identify a contaminant and step away from those relationships in a very respectful and responsible way. So those seven key relationships make up a life team that is evidence-based research. And when you spend your life building key relationships with those who bring energy and life and hope and guidance and direction, um, it's, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. I love this. So you drilled this down with even more detail than... Then my three areas, we now have seven different buckets. So um, that that's wonderful in terms of placing the purposes for each of these different types of relationships. And one of the things that you said that really stood out to me was the idea of 
self-care and making sure that uh, we are inwardly the best that we can possibly be. Uh, there's a saying I love, you can't serve from an empty vessel. So the more that we have in terms of fuel, energy, and being at our best, the more that we have the opportunity to give that overflow away in the ways that God calls us to. So I really appreciate you sharing all that. And with the intent of these podcasts, Sherry, it's really so that our listeners, of course, would be inspired by your story and hear different perspectives. Uh, Ultimately, though, we want our callers to go into action. So what would you say is one thing that you would want a listener to take away from your story that you think would most impact um, just opportunities and resources to serve and spread their faith? So in regards to being in relational connection that's healthy and life-giving, there is an acronym I'd like to um, leave our listeners with today. It comes from Dr. Sue Johnson. She's a marriage therapist out of Canada, and she's phenomenal. And she says in regards to you know married couples, all she wants to know and all he wants to know is, are you there for me? And I'm just going to take it beyond, you know, that marriage relationship. I think each one of us are truly at the depth of our core, just wondering, who is there for me? And when we are there for each other, this is what it looks like. We're accessible, we're responsive, and we're we're engaged. Have you ever sat across, you know, the lunch table, like you're out to lunch with a friend who says she loves you, but she's spending her whole time on the phone with her daughter, texting her daughter, I'll be there in a little while, when you're sharing your gut, you know, and you realize, you know, they're really not there for me. And and it, and it hurts to be the recipient of that. It's painful to know that, you know, that person who said that they would be there for you in, in that moment, that 30, 45 moments, couldn't be. And I know that I've done that to others, and I'm painfully, you know, aware of that and sorrow, you know, deep sorrow when, I, when I've done that. But I've also experienced that pain. And um, as we kind of wrap this up, relational connection is what God intended from the Garden of Eden. Our relationship with him, our relationship with each other, and our relationship with the world at, at large, those people that you, people groups that you listed at the very beginning, that we're designed by God to be in relational connection, accessible, responsive, and engaged with one another. So that would be my parting thoughts is what would it be like to be that for others? And what would it be like to be the recipient of that kind of connection. Mm. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing, Sherry. It was so wonderful to have you, and we really appreciate it. Yeah. And to all the listeners, never quit. Never quit. Keep at it. Keep at it. Keep caring. Mm -hmm. You're good at that. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Sam. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. I think that's a wrap. Thank you.